Hey everyone, thanks for joining our show today. I just wanted to take a moment and say that I have a special announcement to make. I'm proud to say that our show is now sponsored by Patriot Mobile. Yes, it is. It is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Patriot Mobile is a company that shares our values and supports the causes that we care about, such as honoring our veterans, which you know is near and dear to my heart, helping first responders, and defending our constitutional rights. If you need to learn more about Patriot Mobile and their amazing offers, you can visit my website that is with them. It is patriotmobile.com forward slash graceful. Or you can call them. And don't forget to mention this show, Graceful. When you sign up, you'll get a special discount. They'll remove the activation fee from the bill right off the bat. So check us out and remember to put in the code GRACEFUL. Now, let's get it back to today's topic. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Graceful Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Monica, where we inspire you to walk your journey through grace and grit. Hey, we're in the process of finding an interview. We have uh, a bunch of ladies scheduled for recording for the next few weeks. Next few weeks? What's an (laughs) eek? So uh, we're a little uh, behind on some stories to come out. So we're going to continue the study of the armor of God. And today we have the shield of faith. And this was pre-recorded a while back. And so we are sharing this whole series with you. So with that, I will introduce the shield of faith. Hey, welcome to the Graceful Warriors podcast. This is where faith meets fortitude. I'm your host, Monica, and I'm here to walk this journey of life with you. But hello, we have to do it one step at a time. So I am inviting you to join me as we explore the art of gracefully navigating the challenges of this world while staying true to our beliefs and embracing that warrior within. God is calling the body of Christ to rise up. So if you are ready to rise higher and embrace his light, well then, warrior, this podcast is for you. Grab your sword and let's dive in. Hey, I'm your host, Monica Hansen, and we are on the fifth episode, the fifth study, as you would call it, on Ancient Wisdom Unveiled, the full armor of God. And this week we are on the shield of faith. You know, I admit this was a tough one because I did not want to do it any type of injustice. And for me, it's like, I know how much of an importance our faith is. And so I really struggled with this whole series. And you're probably wondering why, you know, and for a while I was like, yeah, why am I? But there's so much about faith. There's so much that the Lord talks about faith from the old to the new that I was like, gosh, there's just so much. 
how do I combine it into a, you know, 30, 45 minute episode for you guys and not miss the key points of talking about faith? And so I was just so overwhelmed with it. I know how important it is. And guys, I have like right now in front of me, I have like three pages of notes. And to me, it's like, I still don't think that I've given it its justice. So bear with me as I get through my notes and let's just take it from the top, guys. <laughs> All right. So taking the shield. If you have noticed in reading Ephesians 6, when it talks about the armor of God, you'll notice that Paul's description of the armor has been limited to like items that we wear, right? The helmet, the breastplate, the belt of truth, the, the shoes, right? Everything we put on. And they essentially hold themselves up on us, right? With the shield, it's totally different. See, Paul tells us that this shield is something we must take up. So it actually exists, guys. It's there. It's like, now, take up the shield of faith. We have to grab hold of it. It's something we are required to raise up. And just strapping it on our arm won't do us any good at all. If we don't make the effort to hold it, hold it up, and to use it, and you're just like, well, what do I hold it up for? What do you mean use it? Well, hang on. We're about to get into it. All right. Let's take a look at the Roman army. How did they use this shield? Why did Paul? I mean, let's look at it this way. Before I say, why did Paul do this? Paul had plenty of time in prison, right? I mean, he was in and out of Roman prison. So he had plenty of time to study the Roman soldier and actually look at them and use the um, their whole whole armor, their everything that they wore. God used even Paul's own enemies to take their uniform, their day-to-day -day uniform, and translate it into a spiritual uniform that God wants us to wear throughout our lives the moment we become a Christian. And so, let's look at it this way. Let's break down the Roman shield. It was not a standard medieval-esque shield, right? Most picture in their minds upon hearing, hearing the word, the Roman shield. Instead, this thing was a very large, curved, rectangular shield. And... It had this, in the center of it, it had a large metal knob called a boss. And I'm sure like you've watched plenty of, of movies. We've watched the Trojan. We've seen the big old shields that they have, right? All right. Well, these soldiers were, they were afforded. They were the Roman army. They were like the so-called god of the land. Any and everything that this army needed, it was it was given. So they were afforded a great deal of protection, of armor. And isn't it pretty cool how God looks at that armor and says, this is 
what the believer is to wear. This is the top of the line, guys. Your physical enemy right here, they have the top of the line armor. And this is what I want you to wear. You are going to have top of the line armor to fight in the spiritual realm. That is just like awesome. Of course, why would the Lord go cheap on, on his people, right? So, because of this shield, it has a slight curve to it. And it was able to deflect attacks without transferring the full force of the assault to the man holding the shield. Like that, you know, thing going on. That's my sound effects, guys. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. All right. So... It had that, that, that ability to transfer it, all right? And because of the, the boss thing that I was saying, that large metal knob, because of the boss, it was also able to deflect even the most, like, vicious blows when these guys came full force, either on, on foot or on their, their chariots or even just on their horses, these vicious blows that, that came and it functioned in a in an offensive capacity like as a means of knocking an opponent backward with this thing, this huge sword. And so when I started thinking about this shield and I started thinking about when Paul says that it will extinguish the flames, the fiery flames and the darts. And I began to think about that and I began to put it together with the shield. And I looked up extinguish and it says to quench, suppress or thwart. Doesn't that sound exactly like a shield? The purpose of a shield? I was like, whoa, okay, this makes sense now. I could see this, Lord. And so, but let's take a step backwards. For those that don't know, for those that are new in their faith, what is faith? All right? Let's take a look at that. If you grab your Bibles and you look up um, Hebrews 11, it is the faith chapter. Most believers know, if you have been a Christian a long time, that Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. It is faith in action. All right. And so everybody knows if you're listening to me, I like to use the NIV. If this is your first time listening to me, I do not endorse one version over the other. I just like to use the NIV when I do the podcast. It helps me keep the flow of things. So as I tell everybody, Use what you like, all right? Use what, what you feel comfortable with between you and the Lord. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Okay, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hoped for and assurance about what we do not see. There is our definition, our biblical definition of faith that clears up some common misconceptions about faith. See, if faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, then this has far-reaching implications, right? Substance is tangible, 
We can touch it, right? And evidence, or substance is tangible. I've got it all wrong. Evidence is solid proof, right? So, faith is, by definition, that we have to say, not some hazy, lazy emotion without any grounding in reality. That's basically putting it into, like, English present-day definition, right? It is irrefutable truth. It is real. Does that make sense? I mean, to me, it did. I was like, wow, wait a minute here then. By definition, it's not some hazy, lazy emotion. I've been saying hazy, lazy around the house for I don't know how long with my husband this past week. I don't know why it just fits. <laughs> so I, I said, all right, it's time to use my silly comment in this Bible study. So faith is not some hazy, lazy emotion. Faith is an action word. You have to believe it. You have to get up. You have to stand on it. And you have to take action. All right. So let us flip over to uh, Romans. Let's go to Romans and let's go to chapter 8. I'm using my Bible app tonight. My And if I sound a little nasally, the wind is going and we I, my allergies are kicking in tonight, guys. This is my Wednesday or Tuesday night for your Wednesday morning. All right. So I have just been battling allergies like all week. And especially today it is just like mega heavy. It's mega heavy. All right. All right. So let's go to verse 24. It says, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. See, the hope, is, hope is faith. Faith is hope. How can we hope for something that that is seen or that we already have, right? That doesn't give you any hope. It's, it's kind of goes back to, let's go back to like childhood times. It's kind of like, you know, we're, we're waiting on Christmas day or Christmas morning and it's time to jump in bed and we're waiting on, on Santa Claus to come and to give us those presents. And we believe in Santa Claus. There's the hope of waking up in the morning to Christmas presents that kind of hope as a child, hope like a child, to have faith like a child. See, Romans tells us that though it is based on solid evidence, that doesn't mean that faith comes naturally or easily. See, faith is a, is a walk of a Christian life. It's going, okay, I'm going to trust God even though I don't see him. But I hear him in my heart or my mind and my spirit. I'm going to walk in trust with the Lord. And each trial or hardship that comes throughout our life, because being a Christian doesn't mean that we escape all the trials of life. No, I think that we actually get a double portion of it. Faith comes by walking with the Lord and trusting him 
And as we go through those hardships in life and we come out on the other side or those prayer requests are answered, it just increases that faith more and more and more. And then guess what? Now we're walking in faith more and more and more, just like Abraham, just like Moses, just like Daniel, just like David. See, these guys weren't superheroes that we cannot look at their life and go, okay, I can never do that. Yes, they were everyday people that God just chose for a purpose to be able to preach the gospel, to be able to shine a light in in their the people that in their times and their life. So they put their 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 sandals on the same way we put our sandals on. They put their their shirt on for lack of a better word because we don't know what it was called back then. Same thing as we do. One arm at a time. One pant leg at a time. Right? They had their sash, their little thing they put around to hold everything up. They're no different, you guys. We just look to them as the example of how to live our lives and what not to do. Faith involves a huge element of trust. We must examine like the evidence that when we walk with God, that all of it is there and displayed out and see that God has proved himself to be unchanging and consistent. And then then we'll firmly believe that he will fulfill his promises to us. I mean, how old is that rainbow that God's promise is still there? It's been there since Noah, right? And God keeps his word, his promises. He is faithful beyond even the word faithful. Whatever we think is faithful, God is above and beyond it. I mean, I have learned throughout my life walking with the Lord, that it started with one small prayer just for like my sons and God answered it. And I was like, no way. I was blown away. I was a young Christian. And then I saw how God answered that prayer just as a mom for my boys. And it was okay. Now my faith increased. My trust increased in the Lord. Then the next episode or trial or or whatever you want to call it, life drama, whatever came, it was going, now, I know that the Lord answered that prayer back then when I prayed for my son, so I'm going to pray again about this issue, whether it was in, in your job or in your finances, in a relationship. And then I saw how God answered that. So it was just a compounding of faith that the Lord built as we walk in our everyday Christian life. And that's how our faith is built with the Lord. We started at the the whole verse that Jesus has. If we have smaith, smaith, where in the world did I get smaith? (laughs) Okay, if we have faith as small as a mustard seed, it's not meaning that if we just have that little bit of faith, he is saying that that seed of faith When it gets planted and watered by the Lord, it will grow and grow and grow into a luxurious, beautiful plant that is planted by the streams of water. Who is the living water? Jesus. 
He is the one that keeps watering us and that we are like that that branch onto Jesus that just keeps growing. And as the Lord prunes us, more faith abounds as we go through trials and temptations in life. See, being tempted is not a sin, but falling into the temptation is a sin. See, going through trials and hardships is not a sin. It doesn't mean, oh, well, you know, okay, God's punishing me for something. No, Sometimes we go through that to be refined and come out as beautiful, a beautiful diamond. So where does living and saving faith come from? Well, let's look it up in Ephesians chapter 2, guys. And it says in verse 8, well, okay, yeah. Let's go to verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is the gift of God verse 9 not by works so that no one can boast let's go to verse 10 for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do so we're saved through grace we're saved through grace and through faith God's grace was was compounded on us. He he saved us by his blood. It is by him offering himself on the cross for our sins. That was part of the grace given to us because we deserve that. And then through faith, we accepted that grace. We accepted that gift. And now we cannot boast saying that we saved ourselves. No, Jesus did it. And we accepted it at all. So while we must believe God to even begin our walk with him, he gives us this deeper, living, growing faith through his Holy Spirit of just walking in faith through the trials, through life circumstances, life's issues, through whatever that comes our way. Why is a shield associated with faith? Well, a shield guards, right? While a physical shield protects us physically, faith, check this out, can protect our spiritual lives even in the middle of physical trials. So think of this. Remember the whole Nebuchadnezzar story and um, how he attacked the values and beliefs of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Well, See, they were able to stand resolute, stand firm, right? Without question and unwavering because of their faith. Basically, in their response, they just said, God is capable of delivering us from this fate. And we don't know if he will or not, but that doesn't matter. He gave us his commands and we're going to keep them regardless of the physical outcome. This is like me thinking of, this, this is how they would answer him, King Nebuchadnezzar. And they could probably say, we know he can just as easily raise us from the dead. What a response. I mean, in actuality, when you go and read the story, they just said, hey, we will not bow to this. We only bow to the one true God. But to have that response, that defiant response in the face of the enemy and say, no, we will not do this is like pure beauty to stand in pure faith 
pure power and authority in the face of a king. So what else does this shield do? Let's look at Ephesians 6 and let's go to uh, verse 16. And it says, oh, I passed it. In addition to all this, we are to take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So check this out. A shield deflects, we just read. And Satan is always hurling his fiery darts of whatever it is that he knows can get us. Whether it be fear, doubt, worry, you know, anger, whatever it is. Lust, all that stuff. It can, he can hurl those darts at us. But the only time they can hit us is when we let our shield of faith down. When we stop believing that God is in control, that he is working everything out for our good, that whatever happens is for the ultimate best of everyone involved, however little it seems to be that way. See, when you think about it, and you think of the Roman army and their shield, and they kept them all up, even of all the, the movies that we watch, the Viking movies, what is the... um. The Vikings, the whole series, the Vikings. And when they raised up their shield and they got together as one, they were a wall that you could not penetrate through. They were surrounded by their shields all as one. And so a shield does more than just fight off those fiery darts and, re and reflect or deflect them. It does more than, than just deflect. It guards. It's the first line of defense that the enemy comes to. See, in Matthew... Let's go to Matthew 14 now, and let's go to, uh, ver I think it's verse 28. Uh, Matthew 14 and verse uh, 28, guys. All right, and it says here, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. See, a shield is also the first line of defense. While the rest of our armor helps protect us from Satan's like attacks, his onslaught, it is not what you ideally want to be using to absorb every hit, though. I mean, you do not, like, for instance, go out into battle intentionally blocking everything with your head, right? So when our faith in God's omnipotence and care is strong, it's impossible for Satan to break through our shield and land in an attack. But here, check this out. When we allow doubt to creep in, as Peter did, when he was distracted by all the waves, when we get distracted by all of life's problems, when we start looking at of what everything could be if we don't do something right now or if we don't have the patience to wait on God's answers and we get into a panic, we'll start to sink and the rest of our armor will be battered. 
We'll let go of our shield. We'll let go of our sword. We'll start peeling off all the armor because we think that we're going to sink. But an actively raised shield of faith prevents this inhabiting or inhibiting fatigue, doubt, everything. If you keep all of that on, if you know without a shadow of a doubt that you have walked those miles with the Lord and you know that your faith has made you strong, then so will that shield as you raise it up and deflect all of the attacks because Jesus says without faith, it is impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, a shield can incapacitate as well. Check this out. So remember when Christ was being tempted by Satan, his faith in the word and the commands of God repelled Satan for each of those times, right? And we read in Hebrews 4.15 that tells us that Christ was tempted in all things. And this was pretty cool because when I went through, as we go through things in life, there was times where I would like say, well, Lord, you never went through this. You know, you never had or dealt with family drama like this. You know, your your dad died when you were young, you know, Joseph. Um, it was just you and your mom. You didn't deal with sibling issues. You didn't deal with, and then the Lord would stop me, and he would re always remind me, didn't I go through this? Didn't I go through that? What about this? What about that? So that way there's nothing that the Lord did not go through that we haven't also. So he was tempted in all things. So see, this wasn't, this was not the only encounter Christ had with the devil. And so let's go back to the boss, that metal knob in the middle of the, the Roman soldier's shield. Well, see, it allowed soldiers to give their enemies this, like, like a stun-inducing hit or shove that would allow them to follow through with an attack. It was that extra point. Now, you've seen in movies these shields that have that boss on there, sometimes it's like this huge spike thing on the end of it. And you're like, oh, my Lord, you know, it'll stab him. It'll kill him. Our faith in God, as demonstrated by the Lord, can also give Satan a good shove backwards and give us a chance to fight back by doing God's will or to quote scripture. Because God tells us that faith cannot just be in our minds. See, it's like I was saying earlier. It is an action. It it must produce action. Works of obedience and service, like in James two twenty. Let me let me just go to James right now, so I can just read this to you guys. All right, because you're gonna be like, well, what does James say? You're like, well, okay, here we go. <laughs> all right, uh, let me get to verse twenty. I'm eighteen twenty. It says, this is James two twenty, guys. You foolish person. Not you, the scripture is saying it. <laughs> Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that, that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. 
And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. So see, it faith must produce action. You have to be able to take a step in faith in everything that we do. It is claiming the scripture, believing the scripture, walking in scripture, praying the scripture, and when God says that he will do it, then we are to take him at his word. So now, how else can the shield be used? Well, I'm going to tell you a pretty cool thing about the Roman army when we get back after this. Hello, I'm Lou Engle with Jenny Donnelly. We're involved in one of the great stories we believe in prayer and standing that can shift America. We're standing right here where the Supreme Court is at last year, Roe v. Wade fell. We believe it was a sign that God is not done. God can still turn a nation back to God. It was in 2014 that literally we were in a gathering praying about something that would take place in D.C. And a woman shared her story and it erupted into a prophetic explosion and that was, there is coming a million women. They're going to go to the mall in D.C. And they will pray like Jeremiah 9, weeping for their children. And they will save their nation. And it will be the last stand for America. If it's a last stand, we need to take this soberly. Then in 2017, witches rose up to curse President Trump. I'm not talking about the man. You've got to ask the question, why would witches curse President Trump? I believe God gave this man to America, not because of his character, but because he would stand and give us three judges that would end Roe v. Wade. I wonder what that meant to the spirit realm. I went up to the mountains in Estes Park to seek God. What do you want me to do about this? Do you want me to do anything? And I had a dream. And in this dream, as far as I could see, women were coming from everywhere, teenagers, young, old, and they were coming to hear the book of Esther taught. It seemed like I was watching a revival. I was the only man there, which now I know I was holding an old Bible. It was a calling of Mordecai to call this Esther revival, this Esther movement, a thousands and thousands that would come to DC. They would take a stand. And in the dream, a woman stood up and she says, and these two words in the book of Esther actually mean Nazgul. I exploded out of the dream, instantly knowing what it meant because I watched the third part of the Lord of the Rings where the Nazgul witch king was destroying the armies of men and the king's daughter takes off her helmet, lets her hair down and says, I am no man. I am convinced, the Lord says, I am going to raise up a million women and Esther movement with thousands and millions of Mordecais who will call forth their women for such a time as this to save a nation. We are in the days of Esther and I was sovereignly brought together in a divine connection with Jenny Donnelly who had her same word about a million women gathering to pray and change a nation. I am glad to be with an Esther today and I'm glad to be standing as a Mordecai to call this massive gathering in October 2024 on the mall in DC. Well, it was right before you and I were divinely connected that my daughter Esther in 2022, she was 14 years old and she had this incredible dream. And she told me about it. She said, mom, polar bears, koala bears, grizzly bears, brown bears, panda bears were coming from all over the globe meeting in America. And she stood in amazement and said, mom, I saw these mama bears and their cubs. It was amazing. 
And the Lord said, pay attention, my Esther just had a dream. I asked God what this meant and he simply said, I'm raising up mama bears from all over the world to gather in one place in America to raise up and protect her cubs. Our young are under attack. I believe that God wants women from many nations, all nations, yeah. to pray, to fast, and to stand for the saving of their children, for the saving of our nation. Laws are being proposed in some states right now that would legalize kidnapping of minors who have parents who do not affirm the desire they have to change their gender. Your neighborhood schools are most likely full right now of pornographic books disguised as innocent learning. There's never been a more urgent need than now for mama bears to rise up. And so we're believing for a million Esters to stand on this mall together with their Mordecais, their sons and their daughters, to cry out to God, save our children, save our children. We believe on the Day of Atonement, October 12th, we're believing for that day that this nation will come together and plead the blood of Jesus that God, it would be applied to the doorposts of our families and our national guilt. And God may give us a new day for revival and reformation. It's time for such a time as this. Can a nation be saved in a day? Yes, on the Day of Atonement. Can the shield be used? So check this out. The Roman military had an inventive and, and like very effective tactic that made use of their large shields. Now, their shields were supposed to be average from what I was doing research on. Like three feet, I think it was three feet tall. And when enemies would begin firing arrows and other projectiles at the army, the soldiers would close ranks into a rectangular shape, and it was it was known as the tortoise formation. And those on the outside, they would use their shields to create like a wall around the perimeter. Then those that in the middle would raise their shields over their heads to protect everyone from all of the incoming fire, all the fiery darts, all the whatever they were tossing at them, right? Or shooting at them. So this result was like a, a formidable tortoise human tank, the, the shape of it that could be stopped only through like major, major, tremendous effort. Like they had to shoot a cannon or something to, to send it into a, an array of a mess, right? So when the Roman army joined its shields together, here's how I began to look at it. It became almost unstoppable, right? And if we are in God's church and we join our shields, join our faith, that is strengthening each other with our faith, building up each other in faith and love and joy and peace and patience, and serving within the body as we're able to, then we'll become this unstoppable force able to take on any challenge. So instead of all the griping and complaining amongst each other about, as I hear so much and read so much out there, even in social media world, I see Christians that will argue about over a verse 
Well, no, it means this. Well, no, it means this. Well, what did God say about that? Well, no, he said that. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, stop grumbling and fighting amongst each other. See, Scripture is alive, and it is the spoken word of God. And so it means something to every individual person. It may mean one way to you, but it totally means way out this way in left field to me because of where I am in my life, what I've gone through with the Lord. So for everybody to stand there and interpret the word differently and grumbling amongst each other, it's just a waste of time. Instead, coming together and bringing our shields together as one and standing and being an unstoppable force towards the enemy because we don't we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against all principalities all all he heavenly dark forces everything wicked all of the demonic entities out there that's where our battle is not with the body of Christ not with each other not arguing online not tearing away people we have to remember as we fight this fight together. This is not simply our battle. And if we are to win, it will only be once we put our faith in God and stand side by side, contending earnestly as one. And that one is the bride of Christ without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Faith is what encourages each other in the body of Christ to be able to say, no, get back up. We walk the same path. Some of us are just in different areas of the path. And it's, it's coming back and grabbing our loved ones back there that are fighting or are going through the trials and, and tribulations of life and say, get up, sister, get up, brother. Remember, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, Jesus will plant it, water it, and grow. And guess what? You will come out in the end. So to go through your time of, of trials in life and, and issues in life, Jesus always provides a way for us. And it may be a surprise ending to teach you the lesson that we need to learn as we grow in Christ, as our faith grows more and more. Faith is unstoppable. Satan hates when we know that we have that faith, when we know who we are in Christ, when we know our identity. Faith gets us up and say, no, I am more than a conqueror through Christ. I am the head, you are the tail. I am the daughter of the king. I am the son of the king. I am heir to the kingdom. That's what our faith brings us into that who we are in Christ and to stand up and to take up the shield of faith and say, let's do this. Let's battle rattle. And so I want to encourage you today to take up your shield of faith. Don't ever put it down. Keep it up. Remember, you're not only protecting you, 
You're helping to protect your family. You're helping to protect the body of Christ. Never put your sword down. Never put your shield down. Never put any of your armor down. Never take it off. Keep it on and keep it up. And with that, remember, fear not, for I have called you by name. You are mine. Have a blessed day, everybody, and peace out. Well, hey, thank you for listening to The Graceful Warrior, the podcast where we explore the journey in life with God through grace and grit. I hope you enjoyed this episode and actually found something valuable from it. And if you did, please leave me a review and share this podcast with your friends. You can also follow me on social media and visit my website for more content. And remember always that you are his battle axe and sword, says the Lord. With you, I will shatter nations and destroy many kingdoms. Jeremiah 51.20 And until next time, have a blessed week.